Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's radio, Music with a Mission, where we specialize in perpetuating and promoting the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We're delighted to have with us in the studio today our very own Sister Juanita Fleming. Hello. <laughs> it's good to have you with us. Thanks for Thank coming you. in. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a joy to have you. We've been watching you uh, over the past few months and actually over the past few years and getting to know you and listening to some of your music and finally got you into the studio to tell us uh, what the Lord's doing with you, has done through you and where you're going next and uh, of course working with you in the Easter production. Amen. It's exciting. That's, that's, I'm very excited. <laughs> let's let's go right to some music because you've got some uh, you got a lot here that we want to talk about. Okay. I want to go to one of your projects uh, redeemed. Now this is the CD before the latest CD. Right, uh, I come, I come to, to you. you. Right, uh, there's a cut on here that we're going to play called "Glory, Glory, Hallelujah." This be a familiar tone, a Amen. familiar tune. <laughs> Let's go to that right now. Okay, glory, glory, hallelujah. Since Glad to have Juanita Fleming with us today at TSC Music Radio. Thanks again for coming in. Oh, I know you got a lot going on. Oh, listen, it's my pleasure. I'm really <laughs> happy to be here with you, as talented and as gifted as you are. Oh, this is about you today. So, <laughs> tell us where you where you're from originally. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. Yeah. And born and raised in Cincinnati. Yes. Pardon. Born and raised in Cincinnati. Uh. I was born and raised right there uh, in a family of six girls, and so there were eight of us there. Wow. No my boys? Pop, oh, no boys. I, my dad, wanted, he tried to make a boy out of me, <laughs> believe me, boxing, and you know, because really? he was a boxer. Not not very good, but he was a boxer, so he, <laughs> he, needed, he wanted a son, so I kind of like followed behind him a lot. Wow. Now, where do you fall in the six? Uh, I'm number three. Okay. And then there's three under me. Right, right in the yeah. middle there. Yeah, right. Is it as so hard to be in a middle child as as actually it was? It really was kind of because my the sister came after me. She was six years younger, mm. and so I was kind of like the baby for okay. six years. Right, and then and I had problems that with that. <laughs> <laughs> Serious problems with it. <laughs> wow, I'm still begging her pardon. <laughs> And then three more, and then you got over it, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> well, I was happy when the other two came along. Okay. Now you're not the baby anymore. Wow. <laughs> no, wow. it's quite a musical family, though. My, Is that my, right? I was going to ask you that. Is it a musical family? Yeah, my dad My dad was a, a jazz buff, and he played the piano. And again, not terribly good. His boxing and piano playing kind of matched, I guess. <laughs> but he had a lot of recordings there in the house, and I used to listen to a lot of big bands. And my mom was a gospel singer, so she sang with a local gospel gospel group. So there I was with my dad. Uh, and what I think, why I was attracted more kind of like to jazz, because it was more free and more open musically. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of got to me. But 
but when it came to the emotions, my mother's singing with that group and the concerts that she used to take me to, wow, over the top. Yeah. I enjoyed both immensely. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did they ever sing and play together, your mom and dad? Oh, no. no. In fact, my mom stopped uh, singing after my sister under me was born. Okay. But then uh, my two older sisters and I, uh, we had a little small trio, and we used to go to churches when I was like 10, 11. And what was really interesting about that is that I had this really low, deep voice. Mm-hmm. And you no, know, people laughed at me a lot. Really? You know? Oh, absolutely. Because I couldn't. I mean, they used to say I sounded like a frog. They didn't know what to do with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just had, even in school, I couldn't even get into the choir in junior high school. Really? No, they couldn't. They wouldn't um, let you sing tenor in choir? I, well, they, because I think what happened in junior high school is that the teacher wasn't smart enough to like say, you know, the standard key of G, C, and I couldn't sing those high notes. So uh-huh. they didn't know about the bottom. Ah. So she just kind of like, no, maybe next year, <laughs> but it was only a oh, they're lost. A, a high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's their loss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so in high school, they wouldn't let you sing in the choir. Well, they didn't know what to do with you in the in, choir. When I got to high school, my sister, who's a senior when I was a sophomore, I decided I wanted to try out for a choir because the music was just so much in me. And she made a bet that I couldn't make junior choir. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, thank God bless this this man. Um, I went to audition, and he probably started around C or whatever, and uh, uh, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Then he... Then he noticed, I guess he could hear that my low notes were richer. Mm-hmm. And so he just kept going down, down, ah. down, 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 till he actually got to my bottom notes. And I was very embarrassed because only time he used those notes is when we got together with those groups and you had to do the, on the streets when they used to have the little, you don't uh-huh. know anything about that. No, I'm, had, I'm, I'm, anyway, because <laughs> you're not my age. So they, everybody could sing when I was growing up. You got a little group and you got uh-huh. to boom, 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 boom. You uh-huh. know, that's the only thing they would let me do. Uh-huh. I had to do the intro to whatever the songs that were popular. So to do that actually in front of Mike Hammonds, who was the music teacher, was like I was terribly embarrassed. And I just knew for sure uh-huh. that I would not get into anything. And he not only... I didn't make junior choir. He put me in senior choir and ensemble. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just knew he had made a mistake. I just knew it because there was no way in the world that and I didn't think anybody would would pick me out to be in the senior choir and ensemble. I didn't think I had that kind <laughs> of talent. But what was beautiful is the next year, the first day of school, I played hooky because I knew I was going to have to go in those classes. And <laughs> wow. But I didn't know they weren't going to be on the same day when I got in there. And I remember he looked at me, he made, he did a roll call, and he looked at me, it seemed like an extraordinary amount of time, and he just said, called my name out, and uh, and he just looked at me, and he was very hard on me. But mm. at the end of the year, he, he wrote something in the book, May God Bless You, and May You Go Far With the Gift That God Has Given You. Mm-hmm. That was my first inkling that there was something unique about my voice. Wow. Otherwise, I would have never known it. Really? I'm, I'm always impressed with females who have deep voices. Really? Yeah, singing voices? Uh, yeah. I, I, I served at a church some years ago, and there was a woman by the name of Mary McLeod and uh, had an incredible, I mean, they were part of a gospel chorus, and she, like you said, would start off a lot of the songs, and it would just be like the, init- the initial element of surprise the shocker for people because she would start off these songs and just do a bass line <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and she was it tall is. and stout and yeah. you know her posture was you know she was strong and and she would start these songs and it would just blow people away because what would come out of her mouth was unexpected was right so unexpected it was a but it was rich and it was deep and it was you know she wasn't quite singing bass but you you just didn't expect that to come out of a female voice uh, yeah. from a female voice but it, it but it did something for that 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 gospel ensemble that no male could have done 
if I can put it that way. Yeah. Uh, no male could have, no male vocal could have done that the way, because that element of surprise would not have been there. They would have expected it from a man. Right. But because she was able to do it and just go places with her voice, that just would shock the average person. Uh, it was incredible. So I was, I've always been intrigued uh, by that. You know? That's interesting because I think most people do expect women uh, to sing uh, higher and what I have found when I used to travel on the road um, and we would stop at different churches while we were, when I was out touring with a, a Broadway production and we would go to church on Sunday, find church homes. And if I had to sing, uh, I think it, it was probably surprising. I remember Reverend Jesse Jackson's going to his church and singing. And I remember them kind of like <laughs> like moving back in the chair and, and he didn't come near me. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, I'll not forget that. I mean, he was, he kind of nodded towards me, uh-huh. but, and I think that that's, a, that, and I was much thinner at that time. I mean, I was in much better shape than I'm in now. Uh-huh. And I don't think they really expected that right. to come out, you know? Wow. And so some people, maybe they don't, they don't, take to it kindly uh-huh. you know a woman having that really deep deep voice but what can you do well, it's my gift uh, well I, I love it i absolutely love it now you you were born in ohio mm-hmm. you grew up in the church there i assume oh my goodness i definitely my two older sisters and i especially we we had to go to church now my pop didn't go to church but the standard rule was that we had to go to church every sunday if we expected to get our little allowance or whatever so oh. yes i did and i might tell you i was driven to the various churches by the music and because my mom kind of like gave me a free hand at one point uh, i was i went to a methodist that's where i listened to mary uh marian anderson growing up when they do concerts there. And mm-hmm. then I went to a Baptist and, and then they were having concerts. I would go to see Mahalia Jackson. And then I heard on the radio one Sunday coming home, this holiness church and this organ player was playing. <laughs> and my mother, when she would listen to this, this station would be on when I come home from church. And I wonder like, where is that church? Where uh-huh. is that music? I want to get to that music. And my mother said, well, that's just right around the corner from wow. the church I was attending. What did she tell me that for? <laughs> so at 12 years of age, I used to sneak uh, around the corner after the service was over, and I would go up to this church called the Cincinnati Bible Way, and I would sit there every Sunday. And then one day, I joined that church. Now, my mother had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I joined the church, and they, the the pastor said to me, and young lady, what would... Uh, what would you like to do in this church? And I said, I want to sing in that choir. <laughs> I just want to be a part of that choir. Wow. And that's how I got to that church. And, and that from that point on, we I started learning more harmony and started singing with the Cincinnati Mass Choir, where we were introduced to the international choirs and courses that was headed by Thomas A. Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. So you've you've done this before. Oh God. <laughs> I, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for all the experiences. Yeah. Definitely grateful. So any any formal training? I went to the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, and not to bore you about that, but I I did go there. It's under the now it's under uh, the University of Cincinnati, and I started there the first year. And unfortunately, I had to. Uh, work my way through, mm-hmm. especially the first year. Uh, and so, long story short, I had two jobs in between classes, and the patients that I was tending to in between classes, Miss Gold died, and the pizza cottage that I worked in the in the evening, it was getting winter time, and so the last one to come was the first one to go. Wow. So, you know, I, I didn't understand it, but I had to let both of them go, and that's when my mom's friend approached her about if it was possible for me to sing with a band, his band. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started really getting into the jazz aspect of okay. music and working with an eight-piece band. Yeah, we want to talk about that. So okay. so you've done the church scene, and you eventually started doing the jazz scene. What Before we go to those two spectrums, what, what do you find? Because you've been in gospel music for, for a season. You've listened to Mahalia Jackson, so you're probably familiar with the Inez Andrews and all of the others, uh, the Thomas Dorseys and et cetera. Uh, what would you say the significant difference is 
in today's gospel music from the day when you were growing up? Well, the elements of blues are much stronger in in, uh, in gospel music. And now we incorporate rock, we incorporate uh, uh, Caribbean. Everything is in the gospel music today. Mm. Anything goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you're mentioning, and I guess hopefully sincere about the message, right. you know, it seems to be acceptable today. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was growing up, it was basically... Although Thomas A. Dorsey and people like John, uh, uh, James Cleveland sure. were coming into play, and there were singers like the Gospel Harmonists, which you don't know probably. Oh, Liz. I do. Oh, really? Oh, well, you were, you were knee-high to a duck. <laughs> and, and, and at any rate, you know, so they were beginning, we were beginning to change with the flow because uh-huh. uh, when James Cleveland started putting out songs, he started going along with Thomas A. Dorsey's Style, um, yeah. uh, understanding and approach because right. he was an outright blues right. uh, Bartville player mm-hmm. uh, before he gave his life to Christ. But today, uh, the I, in, in fact, sometimes I'm a little disappointed in some of the churches because I feel like um, the jazz element uh, is missing quite often. And I know many people have quote-unquote, called jazz uh, the devil's music, mm-hmm. and which I don't agree with. I think it depends on what you're singing, uh, uh, what the intent and purpose is, you know. There's some jazz that I don't even necessarily ascribe to, like avant-garde. I can't quite get there. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's the one music today that is missing in the church because there are a lot of people that I know who are jazz lovers who would love to go to church and hear something that had more of jazz uh, content or kind mm-hmm. of music in it. And that's probably how I started writing this, the way that I do. Uh, there's the overtones of probably jazz are in most of what I write mm-hmm. because it's inside of me. It's just there. Right. I just find that jazz music just helps you to be free. You can you have so many different outlets and ways to approach a song and how they end it and, and the harmonics of it. I just, I just love it so much, you uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. And that kind of I, – I, I miss that. Uh, somewhat in in many churches. In fact, I was not accepted, and I, I probably still wouldn't be accepted in a lot of churches today mm-hmm. because now the traditional music, which is not traditional right. as to how I grew up, it oh, was definitely, you get laughed out of the church if right. you came in there doing some of the things that we do today. <laughs> yeah. But that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. W- would you say, because I, you just mentioned something that I want to pick up on. You said that even today, you you may not be accepted in some churches. Absolutely. I mean, James Cleveland wasn't accepted. Thomas that, Dorsey that, wasn't ooh, accepted. He was kicked out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally put yeah, out. Put out, exactly. And so many others. That's um, true. Uh, Andre Crouch for a long time was That's not accepted. That's very true. Was, was said to be too contemporary for, for his day. But yet, today, we can't get away from his music. We can't get away from songs that Andre Crouch has written, hymns and, and other songs that songs that have become national hymns, you know, right. um, uh, that we can't seem to get away from. But, but there was a season when even those people were not accepted. Their music was not accepted in, right. in the church. Would, would you say that some of the jazz and blues overtones that you alluded to uh, would it be because me, because the jazz genre lends itself more to the instrumental creativity and it's less about the message that it doesn't seem to be accepted when, as much? When it comes to the music straight out, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because you have to... You, you have to acquire a, a, an ear for jazz just yeah. like you do classical right. music. I mean... It's the same thing yeah. to me, you know. You just, it, it's it's in there. You have to be. Expo- I believe that you probably have to be exposed to it early enough, early mm-hmm. on. But jazz singers with a message—that's different, right. To me, unless they're just singing. If you're just going to write lyrics to match a note, and there's no feeling involved, mm-hmm. uh, forget about it. Unless it's just a jazz lover that's going to be listening to right. it. Um, so it. I think the lyric is what's going to take. It's the lyric in everything that takes mm-hmm. what what we do today, the right. the rock kind of feel that we have in our music today. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the um, 
reggae beat and all of that, the Latin beat. I love mm-hmm. all of those beats. I love yeah. it all. <laughs> I love it all. <laughs> I love it. We're going to take a break and come right back. It's it's we're, we're enjoying talking with Juanita Fleming. She's bringing a different perspective to what we know as gospel music today. We'll be right back. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is a husband to the widow. God is the one with your hands. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. When you and I look at American currency today, in the back of most bills we find these incredible four words, in God we trust. Have you ever wondered where those words came from? Actually, it's Psalm 56 in the Old Testament where there was a story of a man who was wandering and crying, looking for safety, feeling pursued, but turn to God and begin to speak with God. And he says, in God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. And in verse 11, he says, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. Now, these words were etched in our currency from a people who had wandered. They'd cried out to God. He had answered their prayer and led them to this country. And they found it so important to acknowledge this, that they put these four words on our currency. It's time again to pray. To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. All the way, Lord, all the way, all the way, Lord, all the way. You knew me long before I said that I was yours. With you, Lord, I'm going all the way, all the way, Lord, all the way, all the way, Lord, all the way, I give my life to you, do with me as you with you, Lord, I'm going all the way, all the way. And we're back, TSC Music Radio, with Juanita Fleming. Awesome project. Uh, I was surprised to know, and this is my own uh, mix-up here, uh, there were some songs submitted on this project, Redeemed, that we've had in the office for a couple of years. And for whatever reason, I'm looking at the website, and I never put the two and two together. I never looked at the cover of this project and noticed that the project I Come to You is a completely, not a completely different project, because a lot of the songs are, are, are remastered and remixed on right. on the new one. But never saw that this was these were two different projects. So we've got a little more than 12 songs to work with here, which is awesome. <laughs> But for our listeners, if you haven't picked up Redeemed, and if I don't know if it's still available, if you can go yes. online and find Redeemed, and if you can't get your hands on that, you can definitely get your hands on I Come to You by Juanita Fleming. It's on iTunes and also available at Amazon.com right. as well. So make sure you go there uh, and check it out, and you will be uh, blessed beyond measure. Uh, we've got her here in the studio live, and she's bringing us a new, not a new, but a different perspective than most of our guests, because most of our guests in the past have been from a younger generation in that, right. you know, we're familiar with contemporary Christian and, and you know, the the traditional, in a sense, gospel and today's gospel. Right. I, I grew up listening to the very traditional gospel. I grew up in a Baptist church, and I've been in a church. I was almost born at the altar. I've been in a church so long. Um, (laughs) and so even today, uh, my mom has got, still has some of the original. In fact, I was at her house a few weeks ago and we were, um, we're doing some renovation on our, on our home. And, uh, I went up in the attic to pull down some, some crates and to my surprise found that 
many of the original LPs of Thomas Dorsey and James wow. Cleveland and Mahalia Jackson are still in very good shape. Oh, that's great. In the attic. And uh, so I'm going to start transferring a lot of that stuff from these <laughs> LPs to digital form because it's, it's really good stuff. I, absolutely, it it's, is. It's some of the greatest. And, and I think this generation has lost or perhaps has never been really in tune with the origins of what we do today Amen. in gospel music. They, they've missed the fact that Andre Crouch, even as recent as last year, who released an incredibly well-produced <laughs> project. I mean, Absolutely. it is out of sight. One of the best projects he's ever done, without a doubt. Amen. I mean, he's had That's an incredible right. producer on this one. Uh, but I remember getting the, the preview of it last year, and I couldn't wait till it was released. And then, uh, ironically, a friend of mine who got his hands on an early copy got me the songbook and got me all the music. And uh, an incredible part. But it's Andre Crouch, and it's just like, after all these years, he's still, he's still- doing it. That's that's the beauty. I think I, I feel so blessed and privileged to be filled with music and have the love for music, mm-hmm. for 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 writing, for singing, for whatever, to listening, to understanding, and and my spirit and soul being filled with. It. I just I feel so blessed. Mm-hmm. Because it's a privilege. Yeah, yeah. It's just a privilege, and especially when I think about how much God loves music. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what he put into Lucifer. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I have a little inkling of it. I feel very blessed. Amen, amen. So we talked about Andre Crouch and James Cleveland. I, mean, I remember as a kid getting a chance to attend one of James Cleveland's workshops. Uh, I think it was the Gospel Music Workshop of America. I <clears throat> uh, had a chance to attend one of those and Billy Preston was on the organ, mm-hmm. uh, and I was I was floored watching this guy play the Hammond organ at one of these workshops. Um, James Cleveland was doing uh, singing a song with Keith Pringle. Mm-hmm. I don't feel no ways tired. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Billy was on the organ now. And if, and everybody, you know, if you don't know Billy Preston, you can look him up online. But he's got a he's got a story. He's had some real struggles in his life. He's he's since gone on to be with the Lord, but um, he's had some real struggles in his life. And I didn't know then uh, what I knew now about that particular year that I was there is that Billy was at the beginning of some real struggles in his life. Mm-hmm. But he was on the organ that week that 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 week. And on uh, that particular night was just playing that Hammond like like God had just birthed it out of him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was making that thing mm-hmm. sing. And he I was re- incredibly talented, an incredible incredibly musician. talented. And I, and I think a lot of times this, this generation <clears throat> and, and I'm noticing a, a, a shift in the attention. And one of the focus that focuses for TSC music is we've been we've always been keen to make sure that we don't put the messenger in front of the message. Mm-hmm. Um and what I'm finding with this generation, and you can chime in on this, is that there seems to be more focus on the messenger, the person bringing the, the, the message, if you will. Uh, it, there's a lot more attention on that skill and that talent, uh, their ability to move a crowd, if you will, the, the latest chord progressions, and very little attention or less attention on content, on righteousness, you know, men and women, boys and girls walking this 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 walk. What's your opinion? I, on that? I think commercialism again. Yeah. Also, uh, some of the churches that I've been in that they've hired musicians. I think it starts with the head. It starts uh, absolutely. with the head. Absolutely. It starts with the, what your your leader asks and demands of you is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some churches that won't allow a non-saved person to uh, even uh, step foot on the the, right. the podium, uh, which I think that might. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't have gotten saved really if they had hadn't let me in. So right. come on, somebody, <laughs> let's give them a break somewhere. You know, I don't go along with that altogether. No, uh-huh. no. But the truth of the matter, it starts with the pastor because right. if the pastor says, "Listen." You got to pray before you come up here, you know, or before, just like here at the church, that you've got to spend X amount of months in this church before you even can go. You can probably go and take New Believers class. I Mm -hmm. don't know. But before you're allowed to enter into the ministry. And another thing, but I still say basically it starts with your head. What your head asks of you Mm -hmm. is really, really important. 
Yeah. And and some churches because they're just they just want the people rather than to then the word of God mm-hmm. to 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 the message to get through. Right. Because music draws people. Sure. And so I think that's what they do. They do allow the messenger to step before the message itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I love this church and what you do up there because you are ushering the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And, that, and like you said, that comes from the head. That is that has been established. Uh, that's been Pastor Dave's MO exactly. from the very beginning. You know, and and to lower that standard uh, would be a disservice not only to the body of Christ, but it would I think it would break God's heart if we lowered that standard right. and decided that we were going to focus more on talent and skill. Because it's a dime a dozen here in Times Square. Right. You know, I want to say this, though. I wouldn't I probably would have never left the church. Uh, and probably have joined this the, the the band in Cincinnati had it not been for well actually my my pop was responsible for that he I was so much wanting to go to church mm-hmm. during the summertime that and I was growing up and my my pop thought that during the summertime that kids want to play and I just wanted to get over there with those those elders that were cooking and talking about God. Mm. And my father thought that I was up to foolishness. So he uh. just said, nope. And I was mad at God. How could you let him not let me go to church? Mm. And so that kind of like began to separate me from the church when I was about 15, 16 years of age. I still sang with the, I didn't go to church uh, anymore because my father forbade me to go because he thought I was up to no good, mm. which was so far from the truth. But, but my mom allowed, convinced him to allow me to continue to sing with a uh, Cincinnati group that was part of Thomas A. Dorsey's National Choirs and Courses. That's what kept me connected. Right, right. Other than that, uh, that's why we have to be very careful with children. Very, very oh, yeah. careful. Yeah. Oh, uh, make sure before you accuse them of something that you really know, you know. what they're doing. Mm. Very important. Yeah, yeah. So at some point in your music experience, you moved from pursuing music in the church to now working with big bands or the jazz band. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, as I said, I finished. I could no longer attend college. And so this opportunity came along. Uh, to work with about a six-piece band of all older gentlemen, and they really made me learn standard songs, and that began, that just, that was it. Actually, I fell in love with the standard songs as well, and and then uh, I sang in a few nightclubs in Kentucky, which is, you know, right over the river from Ohio, and then I fell in love, and uh, the gentleman <laughs> that I fell in love with, uh, you said came, that real slow well, that's and low. Because I'm divorced. <laughs> uh, you know, God's permissive will. Thank you, God. Oh. <laughs> At any rate, I followed him to New York, and so when I got here, I was a country bumpkin. People looked at me, and I didn't sound right to them. Uh, uh, at, at any rate, it was this is where I grew up. Really, really, really grew up mm-hmm. here. Uh, it took a long time, over a year, for me to be able to get a job with the band. And I finally hooked up with someone that I love dearly. He passed away a few years ago uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. He was a fantastic jazz musician, pianist. His name was Bross Townsend. And so I hooked up with him, and that that set things off. I just kept going, going, going. For mm. years, I just sang with different bands. I had the pleasure of working with um, a guy by the name of, uh, a guy, <laughs> a Rasan Kirk, and, and then with uh, Herbie Hancock down at the Village Vanguard. I mean, there were so many wonderful musicians. And what that did to me, uh, there were wonderful human beings as well to me. Uh, it just opened my ears. My jazz ears were opened up. And, and mm-hmm. then I finally said, you know, after I got into acting as well, and I didn't want to do the jazz bit anymore uh-huh. because I liked that paycheck. Uh. <laughs> that paycheck from acting was, you, you acted that week, you got paid, everything was aboard. Right. Uh, and so I you know, I just stopped. I didn't feel like nightclubs anymore. Okay. That was but you gone. had to work, too. And you, yeah, you had but to God work. started really calling me. Mm. I mean, there was such a taste 
a distaste in my mouth for nightclubs. And I didn't know where it was coming from or what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I just knew, like, I I, I don't want it. I don't want it, you know? Yeah. Interesting. And you knew it was him calling. Hmm? And you knew it was him calling you. I knew it was a call. I I knew my mom actually uh, 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 brought me. uh, There's so many different avenues from this, but I won't. I'll try to stick with what you're talking about, basically, but. My mom actually brought me back into the church. Uh, I didn't know that I had suffered from something called dyslexia when I was growing up. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had difficulty reading the Bible. I had difficulty reading a lot of things. Words just jumped around. Even to this day, I thank God that I just stop when something looks confusing to me for a minute and I just tell myself to be still mm-hmm. but it was the word now imagine growing up and not knowing that not you're knowing dyslexic yeah. Yeah. and wanting so the desire to learn music was my shelter music was my cover music was my comfort music kept me thank you god mm. it was music that got me through all of this because wow. if i could hear it and remember it i would do well but if i had to read it i did not do well mm-hmm. at all Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mom brought me a, a Bible and was the living word. And I began to read that Bible and I was disappointed so much because I couldn't read the King James Version. But I started reading the living Bible and it was easy enough for me to read. And then I started, I got a dual Bible and started reading the King James and the living Bible, just cross-referencing until I could understand. And I I didn't turn those words around. I was a grown woman before I found a very grown woman, (laughs) a grandmother, when I found out that I had dyslexia. Mm. But God was good. That music was my comfort. Music. Music. Praise God. To use it to hold you, huh? Hallelujah. Yeah. Man, you you have uh, thrilled audiences worldwide. Um. United States, Canada, England, Ireland, Germany, Japan, South Africa, Nigeria, various parts of Europe right. uh, as a singer. But I, I saw a YouTube video of you in Europe somewhere, with, and it wasn't with a jazz band. You were singing gospel. Oh, I always ended my shows with gospel. Okay. I didn't care if I did jazz or not. Right. <laughs> I, I'd find something to sing. Everybody liked to sing Amen, yeah, yeah. Saints Go Marching In. I was always going to end it with some gospel. Right. Because it was in me. It was there all the time. Uh-huh. Now, I've done the European scene, uh, mostly gospel. And I've noticed uh, back in early 90s, late 80s, there was a, and, it, and it's probably still happening today, there was a big trend for uh, American groups to come to Europe, Italy, Japan, what have you, uh, and to do gospel concerts That's right. where your audiences didn't speak a lick of English for the most part. You're right. But we would do 45-minute, hour, hour and a half gospel concerts. It was mostly to them. Absolutely. And uh, sometimes, like with my Japanese students, because I had a lot at one time, I, I still teach... A lot of students, they would say, oh, they, were, they, yeah. they would be pointing to their skin, uh-huh. referring to goosebumps, right. because of skin. And, and, but they didn't understand right. what it was. Exactly. And you're there pouring your heart out. <laughs> you're ministering to God, and you're praying the Holy Ghost come, and you're Absolutely. like, these people don't have a clue what I'm saying. That's right. <laughs> and get paid for it, and, but nobody, right. I mean, they, they were going, bravo, bravo, but... right. We weren't winning souls. Exactly, exactly. And I want to ask you about that because I've done many of them, and okay. we've done packed out houses. I mean, uh, La Scala right, right through to southern parts of, of of Italy, and and every concert was packed. I mean, standing room only in a lot of these places. And it dawned on me midway. I, when I say midway, I, I was probably I don't know two three years into doing this. Um, and with every intention of my heart to minister the gospel, but then realizing that, you know, I'm not being interpreted. Nobody's interpreting these songs. <laughs> we didn't have it translated and written out and passed out, you know, and uh, even the programs were in a different language, you know? <laughs> exactly. But these people at the end of every song, and again, I'm not knocking and knocking. I think it was a good opportunity. I think that's 
just the Lord's, I don't know if it's humor or what, but it's, it really was a way of him reminding us how delicate this is, that right. this gift and this privilege it is that we have. But I would, I would, I would observe these, these, these audiences and they would be bravoing and demanding more and exactly. demanding more. And if we would go three hours, they would sit there for the entire three hours. And in fact, there was more, more appreciation for the music <laughs> there than there was in many churches at the time. That's uh, right. No, you're right. You know, where people understood what you were saying and they understood the message and at least were supposed to appreciate it. Um, uh, what is your take? What would you say to the young artist who's listening to us today? Because there'll be many who long for the opportunity to go abroad and to share their music and to share their gift. And they're Christian musicians, they're Christian artists, gospel artists. What would you say to that artist in that arena today, who's pursuing that career, quote unquote? Well, first of all, uh, any young artist is going to travel anywhere that they don't speak to. Uh, English is not their major language. I would say, first of all, pray before before every performance. Just make sure you pray and just ask God to work through you. Mm-hmm. And that you will touch someone's heart enough for them to want to open up, even find a church home where they are. Because I believe that when you sing from your heart unto God, unto people, because we're supposed to be righteous unto man and holy unto God. Mm -hmm. And I think when we begin to give of ourselves unto God, that even though, because I myself have heard people sing in languages, I didn't know what they were singing. And I'd. I was ready to cry. Yeah, or, I mean, I was that, like, yeah. it was. So I believe that the spirit is the same everywhere anyhow, all mm-hmm. right? But if your intention is to go there and, and deliver the word, and you're delivering a word to someone who doesn't speak, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the connector anyhow. Yeah, He's yeah. going to work in there some kind of way. Because when people come and they hear the word gospel in uh, Korea, well, the Koreans are right on just about, you know, there, there are many good Korean gospel singers. I don't know about their salvation, but there certainly are a lot of churches there. Mm-hmm. Japan is very very few. I think it's less than 5% Christians there. So when you're in a country where Christianity is, uh, the word is not really taught as we know it, as we're receiving it, I think the most important thing is just to be a seed planter. Go mm. there with the intention of allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you, mm. to sing through you. Then you don't expect much, that much from them, but you just be the 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 person that God has sent and let him work through your instrument. Right. That's the best I can say. Right. That's about all I can G- say. Got to know your purpose for going. And, and got to know your purpose for going. And exactly. Al- and ultimately be believing exactly. God for for souls there. You know, Pastor William often says, you know, we got to believe God for the souls that we see one and believe him for the ones we don't see. Exactly. You Amen. Know, just plant the seed, allow the Lord to send somebody else to water it, and he will give the increase. Amen. Yeah. I yeah. I really believe that. And I, I love Pastor William Carroll, too, very much. <laughs> He'll be listening. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Yeah. Attention junior high school students ages 12 to 14. Junior high ministry takes place every Sunday in room 316 at 10 a.m. Come worship God, get into his word, and let him take you to a higher level. And high school students, there's a small group especially for you in the Education Annex on the second floor at 4 p.m. Study God's Word, build new friendships, and openly share and discuss life issues with your peers. For updates and details, visit our website, tscnyc.org. TSC, music radio, where God is. I'm so glad to be with God.
conversation uh, with her and uh, so much to talk about it we, we're not gonna have time to cover as much as I know we could cover because uh, you go deep <laughs> my age <laughs> well, well, me there. <laughs> there's a lot of wisdom there and there's a lot of experience there that yeah, I think thank God. Uh, our young generation including myself you know because I'm pretty young <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that we can learn from uh, a lot of wisdom there that uh, we can glean from now your your music career extends far beyond your vocal talents you you've done some film and television mm-hmm. um the verdict which is a movie mm-hmm. I I saw with Paul Newman. Yeah, that was my first first. Is that right? First acting role. Now I got to go uh, back on and camera. That is. Yeah, I got to go back and look at it again because I missed you. Oh, even boy. if it don't, was don't just make, a, don't a, make a cameo. Me tell you why you why you didn't see me flat out? Don't make me. <laughs> wow, you, you were carrying Paul's bag. Wow. Is that what it is? Oh my. <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a secret. Okay. You will recognize my voice immediately and you'll see that my side profile. I have maybe three or four lines in that movie. I was, I played Dr. Gruber's wife. I mean, excuse me, Dr. Gruber's maid. Uh-huh. And um, uh, it, we were in Brooklyn filming and we were in a, on one of those townhouses where the garage door was open mm-hmm. and it was freezing cold. And I had a visitor on my nose and didn't know it. <laughs> and Sidney Lumet, Sidney Lumet was one of these kind of directors. He shot everything once. Wow. And so here is Paul Newman standing there looking at me with this quizzical. <laughs> oh, God. He had this look on his face. And I kept wondering, why is he looking at me? <laughs> And the cameras are rolling, and and he just kind of like I delivered my lines to him, but it was uh, it was not fun delivering the few lines I had because he was just looking at I can't. And he walked away from me. He went straight to Sidley Lumet, and when he went to Sidley Lumet, and Sidley Lumet looked back at me, and the one of the stagehands here came over to me and said, "Oh, oh," he said, "Oh, I got to get you a tissue." So he gets me a tissue. I wipe my nose. So Sidley Lumet comes back because they go over to the the table of supplies, and I see Sidney has a tissue in his hand. But he comes back, and Sidley Lumet was short, right? Uh, shorter than I, much shorter than I. And I saw him look at me. How are you doing, dear? How are you doing? And by this time, nothing's there. So he only took one shot. Wow. <laughs> so they had to use <laughs> Terrible. My first film, my very first motion picture with, with none other than blue eyes. And I messed up. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I tried to snip everything back as much as I could. <laughs> But unfortunately, that's a terrible... So when you see it, you will see my side profile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just told it. So anybody listening now knows the story. So when they go in, they say, well, we didn't see Juanita Fleming. Oh, but man. you'll recognize my voice and you'll see my side profile. <laughs> my very first... Can you imagine? Terrible. Oh, that that's pretty funny. You can edit that that's out if you fun. like. No, we, we're going to keep that. <laughs> Well, that that was a funny story. <laughs> yeah. But the verdict, McBain, Superfly Two. Yeah. Now I saw Superfly One. I was just a toddler. Um, I remember. I mind you, when I mentioned those LPs that I found at my mother's house. Yeah. I had the original Superfly album. Get out. At my mother's house. Wow. So Imagine. I didn't see Superfly Two. <laughs> Yeah. You got a funny story about that one. Well, so yeah, the, the funny story about Superfly, too, is that, you know, I thank God again. for I, I give God all the glory for the acting ability, what I ever have. It must be it must be natural because uh, I never really took acting classes and whatever I did. I, I give credit to Jeffrey Holder, who really took me aside and, and kind of like taught me the stage right, stage left, up, down, whatever. I give him, I, I thank God for him in mm. my life as well. But Superfly was the second movie, I believe, that I was going to have a line in it. 
And what was so funny, they wanted to, I only had a line. I was, they made me look like a, uh, that time, probably about 25, 40 years older. And so I was looking like they put this gray hair wig and everything on me. I'm sitting on a stoop. I think we're in Brooklyn. And I'm supposed to deliver this line about, hey, get away from this suit. You know, I'm really delivering it. Uh-huh. And they were practicing. They were working on the next scene. And it, I did it evidently so effectively that the director who was working with everybody else, they all stopped dead They st- and turned around and looked at me. And they said, explain to her why we're here. <laughs> well, they said, no, she's part of us. <laughs> I mean, it was really very interesting. That's when wow. I started thinking, like, maybe you say do something and I just do it. It's something Maybe here. it's just in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, again, God gets the glory. Well, I, 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 I so appreciate this because... I mean, you've got, there's so many facets to you, apparently. Yeah. And uh, you've discovered things about yourself that even you didn't know. Exactly. Uh, at different points exactly. in your life. Exactly. You know, in 1997, I, and I read this, Miss Miss Flemings dedicated her vocal gift to gospel music. Yes. What happened in 1997 that oh. caused the turn? In 90, probably 90, late 96 is when I realized I had to deal with my spirituality. I had to, I was so hungry for God and I was so hungry for knowledge and truth that I knew that I had to surrender completely. And I I don't mind telling you, I was in this church and we were coming back from a meeting in Texas and I cried all the way back at that meeting because I knew I was about to let go of nightclubs, commercials, everything that had anything to do with the world. And I was a little bit afraid because I was thinking, how are you going to make a living? Of course, my daughter was grown at that time, but I was thinking, what are you going to do? Now, if you hit, I was so afraid that I was giving up everything and I didn't know what was going to happen in my life. And I appeased myself by thinking, well, the church that I belonged to was international and they had hundreds of churches around. Um, and that I would be able to go and sing in those churches. Maybe they would would allow me to come in, and mm-hmm. and that was not going to happen because my kind of music was not up their alley at all. But I, at any rate, I surrendered then because God just put a calling on me, and it was really important because I needed to understand about. Um, uh, I, I needed to understand the Bible. I needed to understand who I was in Christ. I needed to get an understanding of what the promises really were and how I fit in. Uh, and because I was a natural giver and I was always helping people, I needed to be able to speak word to people. I mm. needed to know how to really pray for people. Yeah. I needed to find out what what spiritual warfare really was about. And I didn't know I was going to come into all of this knowledge because at that time, uh, in 98, I was under the the covering of, of Nigerian pastors. Mm-hmm. And certainly, as you probably well know, third world countries have a real understanding uh, about spiritual warfare that mm-hmm. we don't have. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. all of that knowledge was extremely, extremely important to me to that, that I learn it and get it so that uh, I would be able to help other people as well. Right. So I knew that I couldn't sing in nightclubs. As I told you before, the, there was a, a dislike of, mm-hmm. for clubs already approaching. He, he was removing the taste. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I didn't want to do the things that I used to do. I want. I mean, I just became. I just I just gave my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. I just said, "Let I'm stepping out here. So whatever happens, I'm right. in your hands." That's wonderful. Best hands I could have ever put myself Amen. in. Amen. <laughs> and I assume that's the birth of the maybe the beginning of what would be uh, this first project, Redeemed. Actually, that's the second one. Mm. There was one before that. The the two, the first two CDs actually were never really properly released. Okay, you know, they weren't really barcoded and gotcha. put out there on the market uh, because these were projects that I did myself, and mm. they were quite expensive. And 
And, you know, Greg, it's an interesting thing because I feel more valuable now in my life, even though I may not be gifted as I once was or able to utilize my talents as I once did before. But somehow at this time in my life, I feel that I'm more useful to God than I've ever been Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm Um, whether it's a fact or not, but I'm just saying how I feel. So I think I've all my life I was a writer. My whole life I can't. In fact, I got spanked uh, a couple of times, really chastised because I would hear what people were talking about. A, a tenant in our our building was crying to my mother that, and her husband had had a stroke and he was paralyzed most, uh, and he couldn't walk very well. And I wrote a song ab- about her because she was always complaining about no money and, and she was always crying. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was doing something really wonderful and I wrote this song about poor Miss Kathleen. She ain't got no money. <laughs> poor Miss Kathleen, she needs a husband to protect her. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I, I wrote that with the sincerity of a child. Uh-huh. So all my life I know that God put that 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 writing in me. Yeah. You know, yeah. the singing became second. But again, when I left the world and said, I'm going to sing that the jazz still was in there. Right. Jazz is still in me. It's, uh-huh. I love jazz. Mm-hmm. I love good jazz. You know, right. when I say good jazz, jazz that I relate to. Huh? Like I said, I've been guard. It's not mine. You uh-huh. know, there's some jazz that, that not even I can really accept is like uh, of the form that I like. Right. But it's interesting. So that's how I left the world and gave up. And found out in the church, and if you're not careful in there, some of the churches, uh, well, we're not going to go there. But I'm just saying you got to be careful. <laughs> you have to be careful because you're not always going to be accepted. You're mm-hmm. not going to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And you just have to understand who you are in Christ first right. and foremost. Right. I, and I think one of the key elements to the styles of music that we can be familiar mm-hmm. with and enjoy is that there is a place for it. Yes. It may not be Sunday morning. It may not be here. It may not be at the Baptist Church down the street. It may not be at the Holiness Church over here. But God has an intended use for it. He's got an intended purpose for it. And so it may be that it may be that other group. It may be those Christian musicians who are in the jazz scene because they have to make a living. Right. But they don't embrace the, you know, they may not be able to embrace, embrace musically the contemporary Christian style. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they can't seem to find a church that, that has music that ministers to them. So it, it may be that group. And, and, you know, maybe it's seeking the Lord about how do I reach that group? Because I think the message is there. You've got the message. You've got the heart for it. Uh, you, you understand that it's about the message and not the messenger. God's already done that work. And now right. the prayer is, Lord, show me how to take what you've given me, cast my bread upon the water, and reach the right people with this gift you've given me. Maybe it's not Sunday morning, like I said. Right. Maybe it's, exactly. uh, it's another group. Exactly. But he is using you. He is definitely using you. I, I'm telling you something. He's he's used you in this room today because it's just been a real blessing talking Praise with you uh, and really hearing your heart in a way that we've not had a chance to hear it before. You you also serve with our our military ministry? Yes, I'm, and the altar prayer ministry. And the altar prayer ministry. Yeah. So in the military ministry, you lead the, the worship team. Is that right? We put, again, that's God. I just try to stay out of the music. I uh-huh. said, I'm not getting in any music in this church. I just want to, but the altar prayer, uh, the, excuse me, the military ministry, they had Glenn uh-huh. was actually in charge of the the singers and and I just helped him out and they just said no 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 you know it it worked its way out around to me trying to put the group together so we have a small group and uh-huh. and and I praise God for them because they're they're really doing wonderfully well so I work with them we have right. rehearsal once a week and and so it's coming together you know I really what I really am trying to do with them is to help them to grow musically so they don't need me. Then they just mm-hmm. go do whatever they've got to do because I don't know where God's going to send me. Right. I don't know when or what God has for me, but I just have this strong feeling inside of me that there's something else that I'm going to have to do. So whatever I do, I just want to make sure that it's cohesive and, and people are together. So if I leave, because no one person's supposed to stop anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You are working with us in the Easter production this year. Yes, great production. <laughs> so glad you uh, consented to lend your, your talents to, to this. 
Um, I've been watching you, not for any particular reason, other than sometime I, I'll open my eyes if I'm leading worship and I'll see you out in the sanctuary. And I, I love to see, you know, my, my, my view is limited because of the lights. Um, uh, but I can see, you know, good in that first area, that first section pretty, pretty well. Uh, and you're usually down front. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I've seen you in worship, and you, you just seem to be enjoying oh, the Lord. It's God. having an awesome time in his presence. Absolutely. <laughs> Very quickly, I only got to that. I've never sat on the front row except in this church. Uh, Peter, an usher, I was having trouble with my left knee, mm-hmm. and I couldn't sit because my legs were long. And uh, with the chairs, it was right. really hurting. And I kept asking, could you find me a seat to the left so I could put this knee out? And, and as make long story short finally he said to me i he said i just i don't mean to uh, be rude or any or disrespectful but are you a senior i said absolutely i am he said well, why don't you sit on the front row? It's for seniors. I said, no, I'm not sitting on the front row. Because I, the front row, you're in the spotlight again. No, I'm not sitting on the front row. And he said, well, it will help your knee. And he said, I can't help you any other way. He said, I don't try. I said, and plus I have to look up at my neck or be up in the air with the screen because I didn't know the songs at that time, right? Uh-huh. And so then I said, oh, I'll sit down there. But what I got on that front row, <laughs> right where the music was. Yeah, there was... <laughs> I've been there ever since. There's <laughs> dancing Hallelujah. room up there. Absolutely. And and the other thing I really thought, though, I thought that God had had tricked me because that knee stopped hurting almost instantly. <laughs> I thought that, that God just put me on that front row to intercede for people because oh. I, I came from another church as an intercessor. So I thought that that's what you do. Just pray for the choir, pray for the pastors, pray for the people at the altar because they used to get there like an hour ahead of time and I'd see people at the altar and I thought, all of those people at the altar were in need of prayer. Mm. So I would be sitting on that front row just praying for all wow. these people. Didn't know what was going on. And most of those people up there were praying for other people. Right. And I was invited to come up and pray along with them. A brother that was there invited me when he said, I always see you sitting on the front row and you're praying. Why don't you come up and join us? And I just thought it was because I said, well, those people, I'm praying for them. He said, no, we're praying together wow. and that's when i found out what that was about but see because god knew that i wouldn't sit on that front row yeah so you yeah. see i have that's that's what i love about god mm-hmm. he he uses us in so many different ways to yeah. do so many things we just have to avail ourselves absolutely and absolutely. everything is in his time yeah he makes all things beautiful in his time <laughs> amen Juanita, it's been a joy i, I could stay here with you another hour uh <laughs> But I have to limit the time in this podcast. I understand. <laughs> the projects. Juanita Fleming, Redeemed, and the latest project, I, I Am, or oh, I Come to You. I Come to You. Available on iTunes and at Amazon.com. You can also see Juanita Fleming if you, uh, well, this podcast will air after Easter. However, uh, it may be available online at some point, but uh, she has a little cameo role. And the Easter production sent by God, and we're so glad to have you. Juanita, thanks for coming. Thanks oh, for sharing your pleasure. heart. we got to have you back. You are welcome anytime. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you. A runaway traveling home. Lord, I come to you. I've tried everything. That my heart felt big enough to do But a still voice deep inside Keeps whispering to my mind It's time to come home Time to come home When I say this prayer That I know you'll hear When I come to you Come to you on 
Joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music with a Mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet for live tweets during every podcast interview. You can even tweet your questions for our podcast guests by using the hashtag MWMPodcast. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Join us next week for another edition of Music with a Mission. And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music with a Mission.